Okay, good morning, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of How to Become a Digital Nomad. I am your host, Rahim, and this is going to be our last episode of this season. Okay, today we have a very special guest. We have Veronique from France, and she has been working with the very famous Tony Robbins for quite a long time, and she is uh, one of 150 trainers and uh, she has been working as a digital nomad for quite a while. Um, Veronique, thank you very much for having the time and spending time with us to tell us a little bit about your experience. So uh, to start, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do. So I'm from France, as you mentioned. I have been based in Asia for 29 years now. and. Wow. Um, uh, yes, that w- that's been a while. I always knew that I was not going to stay and live in France. Even when I was a student, that was always, always something I showed early interest in foreign languages, English being one of them. And then I took up Chinese and Spanish and some German and, and uh, Asia one. So um, 28 years ago, I persuaded, 29 now, persuaded our company in France that we needed an office in Asia, which we did because they still have it. Okay. And, uh, and I moved out to Hong Kong to, to, open that, uh, to open that office. And even at that time, I was kind of the, the precursor uh, equivalent of a digital nomad in a way because I took my laptop and I had a laptop and a phone line and that was me that was it okay and that was yeah. 20 29 years that ago that was 1993 wow wow yes okay so yeah and what is it that and what did you do at the time or is it was it the same at thing? the time no, at the time I was in finance. I was actually a fund manager and an analyst. So um, one of the reasons for moving out to Asia was that we had Asia as our investment area. And I kept flying, visiting companies, writing reports, leaving again. So in the end, it was much easier to be on the ground and flying less time and actually visiting the companies, doing the research and all of that. So that's what I did. And then okay. it grew a little bit. It grew to the point where it become it became a proper office with ten staff, and and then I burned out as one does. <laughs> and so this is when I met coaching, and um, I met coaching because I actually had an amazing coach, and uh, I thought, oh, that looks really interesting. Let me see how that works. And uh, I started learning about coaching, taking classes, and everything when it was really not very fashionable at all. And uh, this was the year Tony Robbins came to Asia for the first time. And I went into my first Robbins event thinking, I want to know how this guy is the best paid coach in the world. And um, I'd like to joke that they never got rid of me because <laughs> I kept coming back. <laughs> how did that happen? So, so what you went there, you met him and, uh, and he hired you on the spot or, or how did it work? Or you no, just... no, not at all. Even then at the time, it was already a, a fairly big organization. So I'm pretty sure that if you ask Tony about Veronique, he has no idea who I am, but I'm one of the cogs that make everything work, right? Uh, but uh, it was a fairly big event at the time. It's uh, an entry-level event called Unleash the Power Within, during which you 
do a yeah. fire walk. Then he, he and, made a book um, on this. The, I, I read the book. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. And, and so the, on the first night, you go out and you do a fire walk. Basically, you walk on hot coals. And I, I went out and I said, oh, I'm not doing this. And I'm, I'm just going to support others because I'm that type of person, right? And, um, and I was the last person to walk the very last person to walk the fire. And the person who walked me through the fire was actually our head trainer now, which is kind of a, a funny thing. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. And I kept through the weekend. Okay. You know, Can I just stop, stop you for yeah. a second? What do you mean you walk on the fire? <laughs> hot coals, very so hot coals. Hot coal. Coals, coals. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. basically uh, this is a process, right? It takes the entire day. They built a huge fire until the wood has completely come down to very hot coals. And we train to do that. It's, it's a very specific training. And you need to be in a specific state, of course, to do the, the walk, to, to be in a high, highly centered place to be able to walk on fire without hurting yourself. And uh, how long is the distance? <laughs> uh, the, it, at the UPW, it's only 10 foot, I think. 10 feet. Yeah. 10 so feet. like a three meters. And, and like you, like you, three meters. Yeah, yeah. And, and you basically, you, you run on them or you just take your time step one step at a time? It's one step at a time, normal pace and not focused down there focusing on you know other things and being in the when you let me let me give you an example because i could see your your mind is boggling just thinking about it um have you ever heard the story of um a mother in an accident and they lift the car of the kids yeah 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 i've heard of this yeah. that it's the same type of state where you can do anything you want if you put yourself in that specific state Mm. okay right. um uh whatever his name is mcgregor the fighter before he goes on 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 to fight somebody he actually tony robbins is one of his coaches for mindset right and he'll go he'll put himself into that fighting mode and that beast mode and i gotta win and everything there's a specific emotional state that you can get in your in uh, into that will allow you to walk on top of things like the firewalk and and actually get through it mm. a few years back we actually had uh, oprah came to los angeles to the program in los angeles and she was only going to stay two hours and she ended up staying the entire day and doing the firewalk wow. and that, that that's a very famous video that you can google on youtube and find it on youtube it's quite easy so yeah so that was that was my introduction to tony robbins but a lot of what he was talking about made sense and about how, how mindset determines how we go into things and what we say about yourself, what I say about myself, I am this type of person, right? And when we say I am, we create a need to be straight to that identity. So if somebody says, oh, no, 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 I can't do this. Well, you're right. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it's a very old quote by uh, Ford. If you say you, if you think you can, or you think you can't, either way, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Right. So he started talking about this, and I went, "Ooh!" And then he started talking about things that were what we fear most, 
and what would happen if you do not change things. So there's a whole process that happens during this event. But what really, really fascinated me was a concept that he called values. Mm. And they're basically, we would think values are the rules by which we live our life. But what he calls values is the emotions that we would do the most to get and the emotions that we would do the most to avoid feeling. And these ones are so much stronger that it is ridiculous. Mm. So I'm like, I want to find out about this. So I signed up for the next event, which was a program called Date with Destiny. And during Date with Destiny, we do a program, we do a, a section and somebody came over and told me something. And I'm like, how does she know that? I want to know how she knows that. So I signed up for the next program, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then, then that I went on that way. I, I went through leadership. And for a while, I actually also coached for the Tony Robbins organization. And um, about 11 years ago, the one and only program Tony actually did in Bali, I was promoted to trainer. And that's for every trainer will tell you that is the one thing that is, it's not something that, happens automatically in any way shape or form it's a huge honor and of course with great power comes great responsibilities so nice so that's an important part of my life and the rest of it is i think just in general being able to help others move past things you know i, I sometimes i call myself a baggage handler because i make sure people leave the baggage behind nice well, it's a, it's it's a very interesting uh, stories actually. No, I'm very inspired actually by 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 the stories that you already mentioned. Um, so so you've been a digital nomad for now twenty nine years, right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> before before they invented wow. the word. Before 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 there was any digital nomads on the planet, basically. Yes. And before internet. And be, how, how did you manage to do that before without internet? How was that? Phone lines. Phone lines. Phone lines. Everything phone yeah. lines. Wow. And Everything faxes. Phone and, and faxes. And wow. faxes. I used to receive a hundred pages of fax every day. Now you get a hundred emails. Wow. In fact, in my company, um, at the time I was still on my own. Uh, and I was the first person to have an email <laughs> and to install the internet. So the couple a year later, the Paris office got the internet and then things like went haywire from there of course but yes i think i was the first one to have a, a mobile phone as well now that i think about it what what do you think what's your since you've been doing that for a very long time what do you think is of the implication of uh, of technology nowadays i mean do you think it's good do you think it's bad i know everybody has like these controversial ideas some people think that yeah it's good in a way and bad in a way but what about you what do you think did it help you? Did it not help you? Did it? Oh, uh, it absolutely helps. It absolutely helps. Um, there's a question as to who's who's driving. Mm. Are you in charge of the technology, or is the technology in charge of you? Mm. Yeah. So right. basically, if you're in charge. Um, of yeah, exactly. So if you're in charge, for instance, I have I have a rule. Uh, which is that I turn off my phone. Generally, if I'm not running an event or something, I turn off my phone at 10 p.m. and I will turn back my, my phone back on at 7.30 mm. at the earliest. I do the same, actually. I, right? I, I, mm. I, I, and I think it's good mental hygiene. Yeah. 
No, it's definitely. I, I find that actually when you close your phone, when you turn your phone, I put it in airplane mode just yeah, for the same. alarm. And uh, but I find actually that I sleep much better when I do that. Like I find when yeah. I close when I turn my phone off and I I only turn it up the next day, like at around nine after I finish my activities and stuff. But I find yeah. like I sleep much better. I'm in a much better mood when I do that, for sure. So it's yeah. a it's a great advice, I think. I, I completely agree with you. Um, I find it really kind of frightening to see how many people, uh, of course, with the time difference, right? We speak to people in the US and in Europe, and sometimes I get responses from people and I'm thinking, hold on a second, it is 4 a.m. your time. Why are you replying to me right now? And generally the answer was, well, I got up for a drink or I got up to go to the bathroom. So I'm looking at my phone and I'm thinking, turn the damn thing off. <laughs> Now is not the time. So it's, it's, you have to, you have to have your own rules to live by. Yeah. Right. In terms of, otherwise you become the instrument of your instrument. Yes. Yeah. And it's not, uh, it's not easy. Huh? It's like, uh, it's very tough. It's a, it's a very big machine we're dealing with nowadays. So if you let it control us, it's gonna basically suck the life out of it, out of us completely. Yeah. Yeah, and there, there's so many other things. Come on, we're in Bali. The weather is amazing. and Well, generally. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's the sea and there's green and, uh, and all of that. We just need to take that time. All right. Yeah, for sure. And, and you've been here in Bali for the last six years. Or yeah. eight. Six. Yeah, six years. Six and okay. And, and what, what, what yeah, would you go back ever to become a normal person in an office in, in France? <laughs> <laughs> no no first uh, here, uh, can i share can i share something please, with you? please 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 i don't think i ever was normal <laughs> and i have no interest in being normal in any well, way shape or form what is normal it's a good question there, there is that um nine to five office that's not just, normal it's just that's not sub, me that's just submissive i i would say my, my personal opinion yeah. just you submitting know, to society and what's it it's forcing us on doing i think it depends on your personality mm. right some people that need way more certainty will be very very uncomfortable in our situations for sure but the thing is people don't have a choice i mean it's very uh, i mean like it, it seems like the people who are stuck in that system they never got to choose between this and that it was always this and that's the only way to do it and that's why you have 90 percent of the population like doing nine to five and they're not really enjoying what they're doing because they never knew that there was something else but actually there is a choice and there is a way and there is that and that's what we're trying to do here is like trying to show it to people that actually no you do have a choice and you don't have to be stuck and if you are not stuck there is different means of making the life that you want to do and for lots of people it will be definitely a much better life but obviously some people will fit more in the nine to five system yeah i, I mean I some people some people don't like change much so they're perfectly comfortable um so this is the funny part right um i lived in hong kong for 20 years 22 i moved pretty much every two years because that's how it works with rental and everything. So uh, 10 different houses, let's say. I lived in Singapore, I had two different houses. Uh, I only had two here, six years in the same place. That's really impressive um, by my standard, right? My sister 
she's only three years younger than me, lives in the south of France. She's lived in the same apartment for 26 years. Wow. And she's and happy. And she's, she is happy as Larry. She's great at what she does. She enjoys her job. And the idea of doing what I do fills her with dread. <laughs> she doesn't want to. Yeah, you see, so that's that's what I say about personality. And, and um, one of the things that Tony says that is really interesting is uh, he talks about being able to hands, handle uncertainty. And in a way, being a digital nomad, in many ways, there is uncertainty built in the position. Yes. Right. And he says the quality of your life is proportional to the amount of uncertainty you can comfortably live with. Remember that word? Comfortably. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. Comfortably live with. Mm. And, and that's, that's, uh, that's for different people. That comfort zone is bigger or smaller. Yeah. For us, it's way, way bigger. And, and that's the beauty of this world. There are so many options. Yeah, the options are endless, limitless. Illimited, unlimited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you have any advices for people who are thinking of to become digital nomads? Any any idea? I mean, any any tips, anything you would like to, to tell it to them? Well, these days, uh, I'm sure there's know, a lot there is a lot of, of people around listening who, who who think that yeah, it's a good idea, maybe I'll do it, maybe I don't. I don't know. I'm not really sure if I should do it or no. Uh, I, yeah. I, I want to do it, but I do not know how to start. You know, these are kind of the questions that are circling around their heads. What would you yeah. tell them as, a, as an advice? So the first, the first thing I want to say is you're not married to one location. So even if you decide to take your first step as a digital nomad and you go to one area and it's not what you thought it was or this area doesn't feel right, well, that's okay. Move. Right. There's plenty of countries that have reasonable Internet that you can be a digital nomad in. The second thing that I would say is before you even consider packing up, going somewhere and ask yourself, where is your comfort zone? How far are you open to pushing it? Because maybe your first experience as a digital nomad is just going to be the country next door. And then you can push a little bit further, a little bit further. You do not have to jump in the hot water right away if it's not you. Yeah. But if the big wild world just beckons, um, by all means, just, you know, pack your computer and, and uh, just do what feels right for you, mm. if that makes sense. Um, and that goes back to what are your values? What are the things that you value most in your life? Um, somebody that values family time, lots of family time, will may be quite unhappy being a digital nomad for many years. Right? Mm. So it's really important to start with that. It's and and hey, maybe you can be a digital nomad straight from home. Oh, wait, that's what everybody's been doing in the past two years. Yeah. Funny that. Hmm. 
But uh, yeah, in digital, yes, but not nomading. Uh, not not so much on the nomad that's part. The beginning, that's the beginning of nomading, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So they've seen, it, they've seen it a lot in the US, for instance, where people say, well, you know, if I don't have to be in San Jose, California, because my job is here, I can move to Idaho and have a really big house. Hmm. Or I can move around. I can live in an RV and travel around and still do my work. Right. So different ways, different ways of doing things. No, definitely. Yes. It's, it's, I think it's, it's, uh, in, in the last two years, everybody, whether they liked it or no, kind of made the first step on becoming a digital nomad. They already started working from home. So the next step. They got a taste I mean, of it. They, they, they got, got like, they got a feel of how it is. And yeah, it's, it's only pushing to the next step if they want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And for the rest, um, uh, it, to be to be entirely practical is research where you want to go, right? Uh, maybe there's a lot of groups and things. Go in a group and ask the questions. If there are things that are really important to you, just research it. I mean, come on. These days, YouTube and Facebook and all of these guys have everything you want to know and more about a location. So just uh, start with that, preferably don't land in a place completely without having done any research because you want to avoid having complete culture shock no of course if you if you end up uh, not knowing where you're going you can uh, you can end up very bad as well i mean like each country yeah, I, th- I think that all countries in the world has have a lot of great spots and very bad spots as well if you don't do research and end up at the bad spots you're going to end up with a very very bad uh, experience and uh, mm. it might completely ruin the, the whole thing and that, that's the other thing. Um, you know how there's a, a general joke that men don't ask for directions? Well, I thought it was women. You heard that one before? <laughs> no, I thought that was men. Anyway, um, ask questions. Ask questions. Ask more questions. Find, find some people that could answer those questions before you even go. And when you're there, you know, just keep, keep asking because the answers are usually around. There's always somebody that's been here longer that can help you with something. But so for some people, it can be quite difficult to think, well, I have to rely on somebody else to help me with things. Mm. Sure. So be open to receiving help from someone or to asking for help. Yeah, to seek help. Yes. Okay. And do you have any uh, programs or stuff that you use in general that makes life for you easy as a digital nomad, like um, software or or, or something <laughs> well, like that, other than Zoom? I li- yeah, I live my life in the Zoomiverse is what I was going to say. I actually got on Zoom when I moved to Bali. So I've been on Zoom for six and a half years. Wow. <laughs> so I probably get a, a little brownie point for being one of the Zoom pioneers. <laughs> um, I, I'm not super technological per se, right? So I think um, that's going to sound really weird. But Actually, that's, digital- that's, a, that's a great point. I was just like, I, I just did like a, a couple of days ago, I did a vlog exactly about that that you don't have to be technological savvy in order to become a digital nomad. It's actually much simpler than, than what most yeah. people think. So, so yeah. please g- keep on going because that's proven. So, 
So, uh, you know, for me, the bigger thing is instruments for communication, right? Whether it's a Zoom call or uh, a call on Facebook, a call on WhatsApp, a call on there's millions of messaging uh, ways to get hold of people. Um, one of the things that I um, started doing, especially with lockdown and not traveling right, left and center, because for my work, I've been traveling a lot, which is that I actually started writing a lot more, not typing, but writing by hand with a pen on a piece of paper. And I, I can assure you that a lot of those pieces of paper I have never seen again, but it doesn't matter because it helps the brain. Hmm. So um, as a digital nomad, it's really was in general, a person that works online. It's very, very easy to just fall down the rabbit hole of things. So sitting down every day, every morning and starting with, okay, what are my, my goals for today? What am I aiming for? And writing it down in your own writing. It doesn't matter if nobody else can write it, read it, right? Mm. It doesn't matter if you're the doctor and nobody else can read it. it. It's just for you. But that keeps your mind focused. And so that, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, mitigate your distractions so there's how, a lot of, there's a lot of ways you could do that i was gonna say uh one of the things that i did on my computer and my laptop uh on my sorry on my laptop and my phones i disabled every pop-up hmm. the only pop-up is my sons <laughs> that's it that's everything it. else there's no pop-up that's, you know what, it can wait until I am ready to look at my emails. It can wait until I am ready to look at, because that way I can stay focused for on the task that I have set myself to. And hey, I'm really great at distraction. Mm. I have a six track mind. My brain is always going. Okay. No, I, I think it's a great idea to stop the pop-ups because like, yeah, subconsciously without even noticing all the time you have a pop-up, you just like, okay. What's that? Yes. I'm going to check it and come back. And that loses like, loses a little bit yeah. so that you can go yeah. back. And the pings. And the pings. And yeah. the pings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like when you're, you're on the Zoom conversation with someone and your, your, your uh, uh, email service is going bing, bing, yeah, We had bing. a couple today. We had a couple in, the, in this podcast. Yeah. I just put it on silent. But that was, that, that, that was a perfect example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so what is the thing that you like the most about being a digital nomad? Freedom. Freedom. Okay. Yeah. For me, for me, that, that's really what it is. It's the, the fact that my job is entirely portable as long as I have some sort of screen I can work from. And I can take that, that thing and go anywhere I want. Even, even within Bali, sometimes I, I do digital nomad. You know, I just pack up my stuff and go up somewhere mm -hmm. else for a week. Well, five days, because I can only be away from home for that long. Uh, but uh, the freedom to go somewhere else, the fact that we are not rooted in just one place, for me, that's really important. And sometimes there is freedom in my schedule where I literally built it in. This is today, I need to do this specific things for myself and i'll put it in there as well it's not that um <clears throat> i'm not borderline workaholic and i don't spend 60 or 70 hours a week doing things because i do but i make sure to put some boundaries in it so that i take care of me first as well and of my son 
So one of the things for anybody that's a digital nomad with kids is to be very, very clear, um, very clear about what you are going for with the children and what time you want to have with them. One of the beauty of living in Asia, of course, is built-in childcare. Most most families that live here will have nannies and housekeepers and and all of that. And generally in Asia, it's pretty much available anywhere. Uh, my son's seventeen, so I don't really need childcare anymore. But one of the things that is pretty much written in ink in my schedule is dinner with my son. Hmm. Whenever I'm home, it's like six thirty to eight o'clock. Forget about it. I am having dinner with him and maybe a movie. Okay. I might go back to work after. Yeah, but like fact, your purpose is uh, like religious. Yeah, it's okay. an important thing. It's you know I'm a mom. I'm mama bear. I need to know what's going on, right? <laughs> but it's it's just uh, the whole thing. It's thinking about it and being deliberate and conscious. Okay. And what what do you have? What skill helped you most as a digital nomad? Flexibility. <laughs> Flexibility. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it is a skill, right? It's being able to be comfortable with the uncomfortable in some ways. Um, so, yes, being as a digital nomad is uh, saying, well, if it doesn't work this way, let's try another way. Mm. What, sorry, it could be the internet. Um, a, few, a few years back, a few years, a few months back, I, I did an entire Tony Robbins Zoom event off my phone. Yes, how was the that? Internet, because the internet went down. Well, I did manage to talk to my team and follow the event and everything. I did my entire event like that. It took a lot of data, but <laughs> options, right? Options and choices. And my choice would be to say, well, I've got no internet. I can't do it. Or, okay, well, how else can I do it? What else is possible? And that, that's the other thing. I think that's, that's another uh, skill and useful skill to have as a digital nomad is what else is possible. Mm. And how... Imagination. How, how do you get your, your clients? How do you get them? Get them through Tony Robbins or you just get them like through word of mouth or you just market yourself? And I... <laughs> I was going to say something that is not my identity, but I have in the past been very bad at marketing myself. Uh, however, I'm working on it. <laughs> um, usually word of mouth. Word of mouth. Okay. You know, it's, yes. It's, it's through people that know people and that say, um, you know, um, this, this is, this is, uh, talk to her. She might be able to help you or this kind of, this kind of things. Mm -hmm. It's always been word of mouth, actually. In 20 years of doing coaching, most of my clients have come that way. Okay. So in, in the last 29 years since you were a digital nomad, is there any like story, like something that you'd like to share, something like happened to you, like extraordinary that might inspire people or might, I don't know, might like... Uh, give them a piece of advice or just like scare them off something or just give them a word of conscious. <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything that happened? I'm sure there is a lot. Uh, like, oh, I, I'm, I'm sure there is, there is a lot. Uh, can I think of one right now? Well, not specifically. Um, uh, 
there's nothing that comes to mind right now but yes of course we've all if, had if it, interesting interesting if adventures up, uh, if it pops up just like cut me and 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 the shape <laughs> but i can tell you that the first time i came to bali and that was when i was in finance i actually ended up bungee jumping at 4 a.m from uh on top of a swimming pool <laughs> and i was perfectly sober because i do not drink <laughs> wow okay yes why so, and 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 yes uh why well that was that sounded like fun at the time right <laughs> uh, i i like adventures um I uh, lived in Hong Kong for a long time, so it's close to the Philippines, and the Philippines has amazing diving. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, so okay. I was diving normally, I was doing normal diving, and then tech diving came onto the, onto the picture, and I thought, oh, that looks interesting. And um, that was the same year where I lifted my dive bag and slipped, <laughs> and slipped the disc. So one of my friends in uh, Puerto Galera, where I used to go for diving, which is one of the best locations in the world, uh, said, you know, I'll teach you. I said, yeah, fine, you'll teach me, but I will not carry my tank onto those boats because it's not just one tank, it's like two tanks. So, so you're talking 30 kilos every time, right? So I made a deal with him that I would, I would dive anything he put in front of me, as long as I never had to carry the tanks. 85 meters later, <laughs> uh, I actually, he was very proud of himself because apparently I was the first woman to ever qualify to dive Trimix in uh, the Philippines. Trimix is a, is a blend yeah. that includes mm -hmm. helium. So you breathe it and you speak like that for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was one of the stories. But you know what was great about that? Even at that time, I still worked. I would go diving in the morning and I would work in the afternoon. I'd go on, get on the phone and I still worked. I did research and, you know, so that was the beauty of it. That's part of the beauty of being a digital nomad in a way. You can do that. Follow your passion and do some work at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's an amazing thing. Of course. <laughs> uh, was it difficult to, to become a digital nomad and leaving everything behind? Well, uh, I'm a girl, right? So occasionally I miss, you know, pieces of jewelry that I left behind and uh, heels, but from afar, because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm quite happy not to be, to have to wear them, but they look really nice. Uh, no, it wasn't particularly difficult, but for me, it was, it was pretty obvious. It was not a big revolution. It was evolution, mm. not revolution. But when this happened, you were like you you were like one of the pioneers. So this was not the norm at all. Huh? This was no. like completely especially like, for especially for a woman. Especially Single. for women, especially at the time as well. Like uh, mm -hmm. like at the time, there's it was unheard of. So you didn't have. There was a challenge. lot of expat women that would move to Hong Kong, for instance, but with good jobs, with really big banks and everything, and. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, there was there was people. They still they still I could name quite a few that have gone around and been traveling for 30, 40 years, you know. But uh, yeah, it's it still it was a little bit different and special. Okay. Nice. Okay. I know that now it's uh, six thirty, so it's uh, time for you to probably go for dinner with your son. And I don't want to keep Thank you, you. <laughs> much longer than that. It's it's uh, it's been very very interesting actually, and I would like 
to to set see with you if you can set another uh, interview because I'm, I'm sure you have so much more information and you already like uh, you've inspired me a lot uh, but thank you uh, yeah thank you very much for your time veronique and uh, and uh, thank you for giving the tips and uh, and your uh, peace of mind for everybody and uh, i will see you next time my pleasure time. yes absolutely and uh, thank you guys for listening i hope you found this uh, episode uh, interesting and useful and i will see you guys again in season two of how to become a digital nomad thank you very much and uh, see you next time